Welcome to Extreme Movie Reviews. Today, we will be talking a little bit, maybe more than a little, about Cobra Kai Season 3. And I would like to catch up a little bit on my official podcast scores, just kind of go through a bit of an update on that, give a little bit of a list on how that's going. Other than that, hopefully you can hear an audio difference, and hopefully it's a good thing. Uh, This will be my first time actually using my new soundboard, sound mixer thing. Anyways, let's talk about Cobra Kai Season 3. That's about all I got right now. I don't have any updates on anything. Hey, Editor Steve here. I just want to make a few things clear before we get started here. I have only seen the first Karate Kid movie, and there are four movies that were made prior to this show. I love the character Johnny. I like a lot of the characters, and to be honest, I do love this show. And I don't think that really comes across when I talk about it. I think it should be known, if you're looking for a recommendation, yes, you should give Cobra Kai a try. If you haven't yet, it is a... It's a solid four-star show, so definitely watch it. Uh, A few other things before we get started. I will be popping in and out to clarify a few things, I think. Um, I'll try to limit that. I am doing my best not to spoil anything in my review and to talk briefly on the entire season. I ended up with about 18, like, major bullet points uh, that I wrote throughout the season, and, like, two of those were from, I think, after episode six. Uh, like including episode six for whatever that's worth. That's just an observation. Um, Also, I was originally planning to split this up between a spoiler and a non-spoiler section, but I wasn't able to cover about 95% of what I had to say without directly spoiling anything. And it felt silly to pick back up just to talk about a few specific points I had. So because of that, I didn't get to sing some praises for the show. For all the crap that I give to the acting and writing after this moment of this episode, I also think that they do a lot of things really well. Alright, I'm sure that you will be hearing from me a few more times, so ta-ta for now. Let's begin with the negatives for Cobra Kai Season 3. It's going to be super mild spoilers right now. Uh, Hopefully I don't say anything that would ruin anything. I've, you know, purposely am going to avoid that. So let's start with a few issues that plague the entire series, like the fact that none of this is possible. How the cops wouldn't be involved 100 times over by now? How some people wouldn't be dead? Like the kid this season who gets punched in the head at full power about 20 times. Pretty sure he would need to have permanent damage done. There's so much that simply doesn't make sense, but... That's far par for the course for the uh, action genre in entertainment. The acting is another thing that is not top-notch in this series, and I think it may have gotten worse this season. There are a lot of moments where you can tell the actors are acting, as in you can tell they're following direction for their movements. For example, there's a fight in a garage early on in the season, and one of the bad guys goes to run away. As the scene transitions, we see about a step and a half or two from Johnny Lawrence as he clearly goes into this half jog after the guy. Because, you know, they know that they're going to be cutting the film shortly at that moment. And then the show jump skips to him tackling the guy. There is quite a bit of where you see people half-assing it at the end of scenes, and 
Also, from people in the background sort of half-assing it. There are still a lot of issues with timing, whether that be people showing up with curious timing or just the amount of time it takes things to happen. I will get into some more specifics on those issues soon. I think that's going to be a lot of what I'll talk about. All in all, the show can be very ridiculous, for better or worse. Like, for instance, the school's reaction to the events of Season 2. Danielson calls it a karate footloose-like reaction. Now, let's get into some of the show's specific negatives for me. I feel like I may be wrong with this, but I just don't recall it happening previously. So, my apologies if this is a character trait for Daniel LaRusso. Maybe I'm having a brain fart. He regularly clenches his fists when he gets angry. And he begins to get into a fighting-like stance like he's about to hit someone, but then he holds himself back. Because, you know, he's the good guy. My issue is that action happening at all. To me, it doesn't really match his mindset. He's not supposed to have a strike-first mentality. It just seems a bit childish and immature. At, at least this season it does. I have this feeling that this character has always done this, so I'm just going to move on from that, but um, if, if the character has not always done that, I, I don't understand why he suddenly is. And if he has always done it, I don't know, something stuck out about it this season to me. I will talk a little more on this, but there is definitely a theme of blurred lines between good and evil. And thus, we get the storyline of John Kreese's um, past history, you know, kind of how he became who he is. First of all, I could have done without this entirely. Not only do I not care, not only does giving history to your villain often do more harm than good in film, but it looks like they used the last bits of their budget to shoot all these scenes. The main reason for this is because they're blurring those lines of good and evil. You know, like, look at all the crap these bad people went through, so you should have sympathy for their actions. However, what I do like is that they do address that fairly quickly with a line from Sam where she says, Everyone has a sob story, but that doesn't give you the right to be a bully. That line is something I think tends to be overlooked sometimes in these there is no good or evil stories, so I'm happy that they said something. Um, here's one of those timing issues. There's a storyline about saving Daniel's car business, which leads him on to a trip to Japan. While he is there on a mission, he takes a mini vacation that isn't so mini. He visits Mr. Miyagi's hometown to reflect on things and search for an answer to his problem. He ends up going on several side quests, which would likely take days or even months, technically. And the, the whole time, all I could think is, isn't there a big major life issue that you have to solve, which, honestly, you're already too late for? How and why are you spending this amount of time here in this village? The entire story ends up fine, that storyline. In fact, it is better than just fine. Some of the best moments come throughout this portion of the show. I don't mind how it comes to a conclusion, even though that in itself is, well... Another beyond normal life coincidence, but crazy shit happens. So I understand why it's all included, 
but why create such a major time constraint and then essentially ignore that time constraint that you've created? Also, while he's in Japan and at a bar, he gets served a drink with a spear-shaped ice cube in it. Uh, apparently, in this short conversation with the bartender, which there are no cuts, we see this entire interaction, but he apparently drinks half of his drink in no time without actually drinking it. It's a strange continuity error. Daniel wouldn't be able to stand up if he drank that plus whatever he's drank prior to that moment in that amount of time. Moving on, though, the soccer match at gym class um, is very ridiculous. No teacher would allow this kind of violence to go on for so long. Some of these kids would be very injured, but we threw that sort of reality out in season one, so, you know, whatever. How about this issue? There's a fight at the laser tag place, and in the scene, we see Sam kick some ass prior to freezing up and i'll leave that at that but later on sam retells those events to her father and there would be no reason for her to be dishonest about what happened i don't think sam is being dishonest but what she says is that when the fight started i couldn't breathe i froze up well that simply isn't the case, and we know it because we saw the events unfold. We saw her, I think, literally kick off the fight. It's just silly and lazy. Like, hello, showrunners. We saw what happened. Why is she flat out wrong when she explains what happened? For no reason other than it was a mistake. Or how about the fact that the ability for John Kreese to get a snake into a car at the dealership would have literally been impossible? I mean, not literally, but within what we see and what would make any sort of sense, it, it does not add up. I don't understand why the writers do this thing, this sort of thing, so often in this show. You're the one creating the story, just have it make sense. You can still have all the same events occur, but you just give the situations a little bit of time to breathe. My guess is that they have too many storylines they're trying to pack into these shorter length episodes. Clearly, they don't have the budget to make longer episodes, so maybe just pack a little less shit into every episode. Or, how about this one? Miguel is talking to Hawk, and the bell rings for everyone to get to their classes. The two abruptly end their conversation and quickly head off to get to class. Then, two seconds later, Miguel runs into Dimitri in the hallway, and not only are none of the main characters in a rush to get to class in this scene, you know, like, they're not acting like the bell ever rang like they just were two seconds ago, but that's the same with all the extras in the background. It's just nonsense continuity errors. It's frustrating because I really do like this show, I just wish it was done better sometimes. A little effort into avoiding small issues like that and explaining why and how people get to certain locations at certain times would be appreciated. Like, why and how did Robbie get to the Miyagi-Do facility at the time that he does, like, mid-season? It's, it's simply set up to force certain emotions for characters, but once again... Give it a reason instead of just, you know, dropping it out of the sky, out of nowhere in front of us. It's too much of that, and it's annoying. 
happening once or twice in a movie or for an entire season of a show, that's fine. Just, it's not kind of, it's not cool when it happens all the time. It just, it gets obnoxious. You notice it more. It's annoying. Um, I think you have an idea of what my major issues kind of are with this show, with season three. So, let's get on to the positives. I touched on this a bit already, but in the first episode, Sam states, I thought we were the good guys. And this feeds into the entire blurring of the lines between good and bad. That theme is something that has been very in vogue since Star Wars episode 8. Yeah, the second one of the newest trilogy, so 8. That was one thing that I liked about that movie, the whole who's good, who's bad, blurred the lines of that a little bit, stirred in a pot. Um, but since then, I've seen a lot of that used, and I just I hope that Hollywood doesn't forget about having black and white characters is all. Uh, and that has nothing to do with race. It goes back to the old use of black outfits for the bad folks and white outfits for the good folks in a film. That works very well in film. Uh, it's fun to be able to just straight out root against the bad guy or root for the good guy. Whoever you want to root for, it's nice when there is no gray area. Even if that's not how the real world works, it works nicely in film. Rant over. So, Sam states, I thought we were the good guys. Here is what I liked about this. A couple of episodes later, we get a line said to Johnny Lawrence. It is, You gotta remember, you don't do the right thing because it always works out. You do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. I really like that quote, and I think that it's very on point with the themes of this season. One more thing. In the same conversation, the one in the first episode, the I thought that we were the good guys uh, conversation, we also get Daniel-san saying that he knows one thing. You can't run away from your problems. Which is also a strong theme throughout the season. It's really a part of every major story thread, I would say. I just did say it. Um, I absolutely enjoyed the short story thread between Johnny Lawrence and his buddy who is a pastor, I believe, but I know he's not a priest. Those two's relationship is very fun on screen. It just, it works. I also really enjoyed the storyline with Johnny Lawrence and one of his students. It's hilarious and enjoyable, but it's also very unrealistic to some extent. I wish they would have spent more time on this and allowed it to evolve more naturally. Or, well, I, I don't want to ruin anything, but I, I wanted to touch on this in my spoiler-free section. I just think that story could have been better, even though I enjoyed what we got anyways. So I'm, I'm just thinking here. Uh, I could go with less fighting in the show. At times, at least, uh, so much of it gets forced into happening. However, that's also a part of what the show is. Fun fight scenes where we get to see some cool karate techniques get used. So, you know, it is what it is. Although I am not too sure how authentic the karate work is in this show. Just putting that out there. Anyhow, the ongoing friendship between Johnny and one of his students needed more screen time because those two have the best chemistry in this show. I like how they treat technology in this show from Johnny's lack of being a part of society for the past 30 years to how we see technology in Japan. Specifically, Daniel-san's reaction to modern-day Japan and his expectations of what the lifestyle of the Japanese 
is or would still be. Um, also, the Christmas fight scene is an absolute delight between the soundtrack, the cinematography, and of course the action. It's definitely a fun time. I also enjoyed Tori's skeleton zip up during that scene. Um, nice touch. So, with all that said, I do enjoy season three. I would say about on the same level as season two as a whole, which means less than season one. I think all three seasons are pretty darn equal in their level of goodness, the level that I like them. Each has their own strengths and weaknesses, but I I do like season one the most, for sure. However, this is my least favorite season, and I think that is because the show almost feels like it's a parody of itself but I'm still not sure that it is on purpose, that they're in on their own joke, or if it's because of bad writing. Still love the show. It just has its flaws, that's all. There are a lot of things that could be done better. The writing and the acting are at the center of most of the issues that plague this show. However, even with its glaring flaws, the show is still quite fun and entertaining. It does seem to be aware of its own issues, and sometimes I think it gets meta with that. There were a few jokes along the line that made me laugh out loud. At least, I think they were self-deprecating jokes. I'm very content with where this season ended. Had it not ended like it did, I would have still continued the show, but maybe only for one more season, depending on how that went, of course. I'm going under the assumption that they plan on like seven, eight seasons, like a lot of shows, you know, hope to have. Uh, the storyline's already been stretched. To be honest, if, if it ends at season four, I will be happy with that, I mean, probably. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, that's all. It's arrived to the spot that it should be at. A spot where I was hoping that it would get to sooner, but I'm excited for it and I'm excited for season four. I hope they don't quickly undo where this season ended every season really seems to kind of reset things so please creators of this show don't do another reset give us a full season of awesomeness or at least continue the momentum that we are at into the first like half of season four and then hit the whole reset button and build into an exciting season five and that's about all the seasons that there should be for this show so, you know, end it on your own terms in five seasons and just give us a kind of two kick-ass ending storylines here for the final th- two seasons. Three seasons, three, four, and five. Um, all right, so I, I, I spoke a lot on that, so I'm just going to ignore my talk that included spoilers. Just know that I do not enjoy the little internal thing going on that the season begins with, like the very first part of the season I'm talking about like where we start off in episode one five seconds in I get what they were doing but I don't think they gave it any emotion like several other things in the show it felt hollow and like it was just there as filler to take up some of the show's runtime also people can fucking go to school while injured I would know this I messed up my leg bad enough as a kid that I ended up having to learn how to walk again and was not allowed on my feet for a very, fairly long time. I still went to fucking school, though. Okay, that's it. 
let's move on to an update for all of the movies I've reviewed and what the current standings look like. There have been 17 official podcast scores to date. I'm going to post the full list with scores in the description for this episode, and I will just run through the top five comedy and top five horror movies in order so far. Start off with the funny comedy. At number one, we have Dumb and Dumber with an 8.93 out of 10 score. All the out of 10s. At number two, we have Home Alone with an 8.89 at number three, we got Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with an 8.46. And number four, we got What About Bob coming in with an 8.44, almost tied with Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And then in fifth, not almost tied, we've got Hubie Halloween with a 5.91. However, I think that was still a recommend just purely because of the aesthetic of the movie. It's, it's so much Halloween that it's good to watch around Halloween, but... Don't watch it now. Wait till this October. It'll be on Netflix still, I'm sure. Let's move on to horror. At number one, we got 1978's The Original Halloween with an 8.83. Number two, we have Gremlins with an 8.53. At number three, we got Friday the 13th Part 6 with an 8.28. At number four, I've got Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. With a 7.34. And not too far behind, the platform comes in at number 5. With a 7.09. And then uh, Illuminations the Grinch is just a little bit ahead of Onward. And those are both in the category of kids animated. So, so far I've done horror, comedy, and kids animated. Uh, gotta widen my scope here. Alright. Y'all take care, and I hope 2020, 2020, that's what we'll call it, 2021 has gotten off to an alright start for you. Please know that I appreciate each and every one of you that listens, and I want to create something that you want to hear. So please, feel free to reach out to myself with any feedback, requests about what you like, what you don't like, what I could improve on, whatever it is that you're thinking, I'm more than happy to listen. My email that you can reach me at is in most of my descriptions. Uh, my Twitter should be, but I don't even know my Twitter. I'm not super active on Twitter, but I'm on Twitter. It's at Extreme Movie, I believe. And that should be spelled out correctly, E-X-T-R-E-M-E, instead of just X-T-R-E-M-E. Um, so you can find me on Twitter, too. Uh uh, that's, that's all I got. I, I love you all. You take care and happy new year. Peace.